Welcome to the Rags to Riches show with myself, Terry Blackburn. These podcasts are designed to motivate, educate, and to inspire you to take huge action in your life, to change your life from this moment on. I interview inspiring guests with amazing stories that you can hopefully learn from, relate to, and spur you on to achieve big things. If you want to follow my personal journey and all the different things that we do, please follow me on Instagram, which is Terry underscore Blackburn underscore property. Or on YouTube, my page is Terry Blackburn property. Me, myself, I've been from rags to riches, had nothing. Now I've built multiple businesses in over millions of pounds. I have a multi-million pounds portfolio of property up in the northeast of England. I am by no means done yet. So please get in touch if you love the show. If you have any feedback for me, I'd really appreciate that. And I'm happy to help as many people as I possibly can. That's what this show is all about. So enjoy the episode. Take care. Have a fantastic day. And don't just take notes, take action. Just before the podcast starts, I just wanted to let you know, I've released a book on Amazon called Be a Lion. So Be a Lion is about how to dominate and how to be successful in every part of your life. The four main parts of your life being your business or your career, your property, empire, your property business, uh, your health and fitness, and your relationships. Now, if you can be more successful in those four areas, business, property, health and fitness, and relationships, I'd imagine your life's going to be quite a bit better. It's not one or the other. It's not sacrificing your health and fitness in order to be successful at work. And it's not being really, really wealthy, you know, at the expense of your your relationship. You can be happy, successful content in every single part of your life. And the book does explain how I do that and how I believe you could replicate what I've done and just be a little bit better in each part of your life. So it's on Amazon, be a line. It's 15 quid, cost of a Domino's pizza. I'm sure... Everyone listening to this can afford 15 quid and it might just change you and it might just make you a little bit better in each part of your life. So pop on Amazon, grab it. That'll be massively appreciated and enjoy this podcast. Have a fantastic day. Hi and welcome to the Rags to Riches show with myself, Terry Blackburn. So today's episode is different to normal. I think this episode is very relevant and the timing of it is really important. And the aim of the episode is to bring an educated, informed, calm voice in the storm that we're in. And hopefully by the end of the episode, you feel a little bit fed out about what's going on. And the guy who who, who was on the show is one of the only, there's only a few voices that I, I, I actually listen to online. And if he says something, I actually take a note and, and, and follow what he says. So it's a guy called Adam Lawrence. He's been on the show before. Um, so thank you for coming on, Adam. I appreciate your time today. Thanks for having me again, Terry. Thanks for the kind words. I appreciate it. No problems. No problems. I've been um, listening and, and what and reading a lot of Adam's content on LinkedIn in particular. Really, really, um, I think he just positioned things in, in a way that's easy to understand. There's no real fluff. And I think, I think it comes across that there's no real agenda. Or, or, or there's no motive really apart from to to maybe help and i think that's a it's quite a rarity in the property space someone who's not trying to push a course on you or push something on you um i think is really uh is really nice and absolutely really been enjoying your content adam so that's why i wanted to do the the episode so thanks 
No problem. So I've just got a few questions, Adam, if, if it's okay. Um, I know a lot of people will be thinking this right now um, and they'll value your, your opinion. So um, is there any... Well, let's start with what, what do you believe that people should be focusing on right now? With everything that's going on, there's a lot of panic, worry and all sorts going on. What do you think property investors and developers should be focusing on right now and where the attention should be? Well, I think we've got to put things into context. And, you know, we have seen, I've seen some some funny old comments in the last week or two with people saying, you know, this is 2008 all over again. This is the other. I mean, I think people are forgetting. I put a post on on something on social media yesterday where I said, you've got to remember, I knew people who had £5 million credit lines who on the Friday exchanged on a few properties and on the Monday the credit line disappeared so they couldn't complete. I mean... It, it's not there's a bit of a difference between that and you being offered a mortgage rate and it may be being pulled from underneath you especially when it hasn't got to offer yet you know so we shouldn't we shouldn't overblow what's gone on um but nonetheless you, you can see where the direction of travel's been pretty clear this year bank of england arguably didn't act quickly enough to get rates up that means we're all going to pay for it a little bit because they'll have to go up more for a bit longer than they otherwise would have done um and then, of course, change in political administration. They've learned a lesson very quickly that if you're not careful um, and you don't respect the international markets where you get money from as a government, where you borrow from at the end of the day, then they'll make that cost of borrowing higher because um, they won't want to invest so much in the UK. Um, but this is, as I say, a week or two's events. And there's more to come over the next six to nine months. We're going to have some relatively relatively bad news um but at the end of it people are still going to need to live in houses terry at the end of it what people aren't saying at the moment is rent is rocketing up left right and center just like the rest of the cost of living is but also wages are moving upwards and uh you know even the benefit system is, is going to be moving upwards by a reasonable amount otherwise ultimately Social housing, the local housing allowance, the whole system's going to break down. So, you know, we are being supplanted by a few of the other things that are going in our favour. And so I think the, the overall message is it's not a time to be overextending yourself. Um, it is a time to be looking at your business, looking at your property business and trying to find those efficiencies. Where can you save a bit of money? Um, where are the luxuries that can be cut out? And, and then the assets themselves that you already own, what more can you get out of them? You know, can you sweat those a bit harder? Have you got that property where it was that one bed flat you're always going to make into a two or the two bed house you're going to make into a three? Might be a good time to be looking at some of that and improving rents might be a good idea to be looking down the portfolio at the rents that you're charging. And if you don't put your rents up on an annual basis, which is something that I advocate for just in terms of commercially running the business correctly and i argue you're not really doing people a favor if you leave them in on the same rent because ultimately if that relationship comes to an organic end one way or another and they're paying 400 and the market rent's now 800 it's such a big shock to them they can't afford it what if they split up get divorced do this do that do the other you know um so a regular and small and manageable rent rise every year I would argue is actually kinder in terms of fiscal discipline, which 
every household needs to exercise one way or another. And of course, it makes sure that your your investments are keeping return, keeping returns reasonable, rather than having to turn around and say, my mortgage has doubled because I'm on a floating rate. You know, I need you to pay more now, and not just a bit more. I need you to pay an extra two hundred and fifty quid a month. Who, who, what tenant's going to be able to find that at this time, Terry? You know, that's the thing. So, um, it's more about taking a breath, as you said earlier, keeping calm. Has the whole buy to let HMO service accommodation, whatever, has that just evaporated overnight? Of course, it hasn't. You know, and, and we know that the governments, the local authorities need this industry, but they need it to be functional. You know, they need it to be functional. So, another thing people could look at is the uh, local authority schemes that were set up by Rishi Sunak, the hardship schemes, you know, if they're tenant, it's one thing having them, and you know what local authorities are like, they're notoriously bad at getting information out to the people that need it. If people need hardship funds, there are hardship funds available. Like every local authority has got some, you might have to give your tenants a bit of help and a bit of info in terms of how they get through that process. Um, and look, if you're in an amazingly good position and you've got no debt on your portfolio or whatever, sure, you can afford to, uh, to to be a bit more generous. It just depends whether, you know, if you've got lenders to satisfy, like like you and I would have, um, and maybe you've got investors to satisfy, it's not the time to start a giveaway, given we're feeling our margins being squeezed just by the increasing price of labour and materials in any of the works that we're doing, you know? So uh, it's it's a time to be prudent and it's not a time to do things that are average deals, things that are just to keep the wheels going. You know, it's not a time to be to be doing that, in my opinion. Um, but on the flip side, there might be a bit of opportunity in terms of things that you've already got in your in your in your purchasing pipeline um, in order to have that conversation. To say, listen, it might might be a chip on the price. It might be as blunt as all of that. Or it might be going back to the vendor and saying, listen, I need you to leave a bit of money in this deal, you know, and we need to agree an interest rate that's a bit better than you're going to get in the bank and introduce a bit of vendor financing maybe. I think there's a, a big opportunity around that at the moment, which will still help things to stack up. And that's what I've been, I've been actively doing myself in stuff we've got in negotiation at the moment. Interesting. Just, just going back, I step on, on a couple of things you said there. You said this in your... And some of your content online about asset management, I think that's a really good thing that not many people are seeing. You know, instead of we can't control interest rates, we can't bring them down tomorrow. So new purchases, you, you can't really affect that, but you can affect what you've already got. And I've absolutely been guilty of that. I'm always looking at the next deal, the next deal, the next deal, and I'm looking forward. Me too. I don't, really look, I don't. I definitely haven't looked backwards that much, or even sideways. I've always just next deal, next deal, next deal. Once it's bought, refurb done. I don't even, you know, pay too much attention to the refurb. It's the next deal as soon as it's agreed. So I think that's definitely a good point. Um, you can't look at your rates that much. I mean, if you're sitting on variable, you might be able to. Um, but like you said, putting rent up, um, looking at your insurance, looking at your energy bills, looking at things like that, I think is... Um, it's definitely a really, really good point. It's, and it's something that everybody can do right now, isn't it? We can't That's necessarily it. go and purchase right now, but we can look at what we've got right now. That's it, exactly. And also, if you're running HMO or service, for example, you know, have you been through the energy efficiency of those properties? 
Have you looked at the, 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 the measures that do pay back quite quickly? Have you looked at if you've got big energy requirements in places, electricity specifically, have you looked at solar PV? Because one of the things that's happened, of course, because the price has come up so much of electricity, it means that the payback on putting a solar system in is a lot faster. And actually, they're quite good investments. So you can you can stabilize your, your price exposure in the future. You know, you can garner a little bit of an edge maybe over other HMO owners. And you can put an investment on the roof that's going to return maybe 15, 20, even 25%. Uh, now, we all like buying stuff that returns those sorts of numbers, Terry. And those are those are. And if, if all's got to happen is, you know, the, 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 the sun's got to come out in the morning, it's a pretty, even this government can't screw that up, you know, realistically. So there's, the, there's, there's definitely the, you know, insulation, energy efficiency measures to consider. Um, unfortunately, the EPCs are not really great in those, in those departments. So you probably want to speak to either someone who's very good on the grant funding side of it, because there are some local... Bits right. of yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so that's definitely worth a look, but or, or just speak to you know someone who does heat and sustainability, um, and then they might be able to give you some pointers on not only solar PV but all, all these extra things that are available. You've got your air source pump grants, I mean, they're not really suitable for the majority of properties, but you know, you've got all of these options. And, it, and, you know, when you're going into recessions, and I think we're, we're pretty much set on the fact we're going into one, and, you know, there's these technicalities over, did the economy shrink by 0.1 or grow by 0.2 in quarter two? Do we really care? If we're having to split hairs over that, you know, it, we're in trouble, aren't we? Because we're basically around zero, one side or the other. And, and we're, on the, we're on the slide because people are going to have to spend more of their take home on, you know, it's all for the energy cap, for example. That's great, and it, it stops us worrying about the upside for a couple of years. But let's looking back for a second, we're still up about eighty-four percent this year. That's a that's a big number, Terry. You know, and people can't afford things, to, including you and I, can't afford our bills to go up eighty-four percent in a year without there being, you know, some fallout on that. So we're lucky that's only been energy although of course it pushes up the price of food and everything else that we all need whether we're landlords or tenants um but you know working working through it with people and also you know keeping them informed about what they might be able to do um that's because because unfortunately again sometimes the education level is an issue because people don't know how do they save their electricity what's a sensible thing to do i've heard of people turning fridges and freezers off. I mean, that's a, a nuts way to do it, of course, because ultimately food goes bad, you get ill, can't go to work, etc. It's much, 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 much worse way of doing it. And people don't understand what does and doesn't cost the sort of big money and not leaving appliance, all, all the stuff from not leaving the telly on standby, you know, all the way through to um, how you can how you can save a bit, um, whether that, and if you're, in, if you're in a good position as a landlord, perhaps you can, Buy some new appliances if you provide appliances for people. Certainly back to your HMOs and your services accommodation. How efficient are the old, is the old washer dryer or whatever? It might still be going, but some of these are now like Fs and Gs for efficiency. And you, you'll save 100, 150 quid a year by changing over. You know, so again, you're 100 quid anyway to buy, aren't they? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You think so, for that, 
So you've got good payback on these sorts of things. You know, they're costing more to run than they are to buy. So you've got to really sort of go back to basics a little bit on some of that stuff. And it depends what you're exposed to, obviously. Mm -hmm. Again, I think that's some really, really good points. One, one thing that not many people are talking about at all is trying to actually earn more. And I know that's maybe going to upset some people, but like, I'm not saying change your job or anything, but you know, if you're in a commission-based role, great. You are in control a little bit. You could start a bit of a, I don't really like that phrase, side hustle, but you could do something to generate some money, right? You could deal source. You could, there's looking at what you've got, but there is other ways to earn more. It's not necessarily just consolidating and managing what you've got. There is other ways, and it's, it's how you look at this situation. If you look at it as an opportunity or just some one big thing that you can't control, you can't control certain parts of it, but you can control what you do, your levels of action, how you conduct yourself, how well you stay educated and informed. And I think that's all you can really do, right? Like, I, I, re I really like what you've just said, Terry, and I think you're right. I think it will probably upset a few people, but, you know, that's the nature of a, a robust conversation is going to upset people. It'll also make them think a little bit about it. You know, let, let's, let's face some of the old truths. If you're not working, you're probably spending money right so if you do something else you might stop spending and start earning and even by stopping spending that might that might help you out a bit you know so yeah. you're right as well in what you mentioned in that you know if you're involved in in buying property managing property etc there's all sorts of opportunities you might be leaving on the table um and a deal that's a deal for me not might not be one for you and vice versa but we we've done well when we've we've been able to pass deals off onto people who've been keen on uh, a particular area or a particular type of asset or whatever. You know, we we focused on cheap stuff at high yield, which is good. But again, you've got to look at the net, not the gross. And, and you've got to be a little bit concerned about, you know, if your housing tenants at the lower end of affordability, if their electricity bills up 84%, it's a big squeeze on them, you know. But ultimately, when mortgage rates are hovering around six or whatever, you can't buy stuff that yields five or four because it just doesn't mathematically add up. So this is part of the, the protection you get. And if you look at, you could take an example of say commercial retail stuff at the moment, some of that in secondary places is yielding 12% according to the surveyors. Well, okay, that's fine. But 12% provides you with a bit of security there. These smaller scruffier units they don't tend to sit on the market six months 12 months without being let out you, you have your have a go heroes who come in and have a go at them and they might be a bit more management it might not be a 10-year lease full repair and insure and all the rest of it but at 12 percent, you've got coverage for what's going on at the moment and what might go on next year so there is a bit of sanctuary in higher yield and ultimately as well for for people like myself who've you know, I've followed the momentum model or the BRRR or whatever people want to call it these days. Um, it might be it might be time to leave a bit more money in and try and recycle at sixty percent loan to value or sixty five or seventy, um, rather than pushing it to seventy five all the time. Because one of the things I think we'll see over the next nine months is a bit of pressure on the seventy five percent LTV philosophy that's kind of set us through since 2008 because if and when prices do start to come under pressure 
and you know what it'll be like the papers will be they're already doing it they're publishing these things saying it's going to go down 40 percent, mate if it goes down 40 percent, i'll give you the money myself it's not gonna happen but nonetheless it's perception isn't it rather than reality that often drives these things and and the good thing one of the one of the best things about property i think is you get time to react to these things you don't have to decide today so a, a good example if you're hanging out for a couple of mortgages at the moment you know, last week, a lot of rates evaporated uh, thank, thanks to what the Chancellor did in his mini budget, right? But those lenders will be back to the table when they realise they're not doing any business, you know? So they can't afford not to come back, can they? they I've either got to close the doors or, or be a bit more competitive. So they'll find ways to be competitive. One of those ways might be lower loan to value loans. It's all very well them thinking, I noticed a few have been putting out variable rates. But, you know, only a lunatic takes a variable rate at the moment, realistically, Terry. So I think people are more likely because, you know, I'm looking at things. I, I started talking about hard stops a few weeks ago. So if I've got a property that's on a bridge and the bridge is about 9% into, I'm not counting the, the setup costs and things like that, but just the interest is about 9%, then I'm not going to fix on a term mortgage at 9%, am I? Because that's what I'm paying on the bridge. So I've got a bit of breathing room and a bit of time over the next two, three, four, five months to decide, well, actually, I'm going to need to sell that one. Or, well, actually, I can think when the rates are back down a sort of five and a quarter, five and a half. And I think we'll see a window where they are, you know, then I can come out at that point. Um, and discretion is the better part of valour. And even if that takes almost all of my cash flow, what I'm also pricing in is back to the asset management point. There's going to be a rent rise every year. You know, in 12 months' time, I'd be surprised. Inflation's not going to be under control in 12 months' time. Now, the flip side of that is people are getting 5 and 6% pay rises. And if rent's going up 3 or 4% next year, that's when a little bit of cash flow will start to fall out of it. And then in year three, rent's gone up again and more cash flow's falling out. And that's the beauty of having the fixed rate, nominal debt. It's depreciating. And whilst over the next two years, I think prices might be you know in danger of maybe coming down five to ten percent over the next five years i think it would be very bearish to think they were going to be lower than they are today um i think we'll still have seen probably something like 10 percent growth by then so it's not going to be the last two or three years but of course we all knew that was a bit of an anomaly and we don't want to go up 50 percent to come down 25 because it doesn't help anybody you know let's just sort of have a, a, a smooth period now we, we survive on our, our income generation side of things, you know, and like we said, is it time to, you know, put that planning permission in for that loft conversion to create a couple of extra rooms in the HMO? Is it, I, I would say that it is, you know? Yeah, I, again, I think it's a really calm, logical um, way of conducting yourself. I think, I think it, it is great. Just a couple of, again, a couple of things that you said there. Um, so what your, your prediction is in, in around about five years, it'll still, we're going to go down a bit, but it's still going to be up to where we are now in around about five years. And that's the house prices, right? Yeah. If I was, if I was talking about cap values across the UK, and obviously this is variable for, you know, London yeah. behaves completely differently, for example. But um, I think my current prediction is about 7% off over the next two years. But by the time we've done five years, we're more like 10% higher than we are today. 
Okay. So in between two years and five years, we're going to recover about 15%, I think, something like that. Because if you look at historical, I, I, I've said for a long time, I think inflation is going to be tougher to deal with than anybody expected. But historically, times, what does inflation pretty much guarantee? Wages up, you know, and that's one of the big drivers of house prices and rent affordability. But ultimately, our prices, our pricing really gets done by homeowners who are moving home. You know, there's, you know, we're, we're less than 20% of the market in terms of transactions. So we're taking our lead from what the homeowners do. They've got no stamp duty or, you know, better stamp duty conditions than they had. There's still a lot of people who haven't been able to buy over the last couple of years. The, the limiter is going to be the mortgage rate. But, you know, again, we're looking at up and down. We're not looking at permanence and the residential rates are obviously that little bit lower. So they're still sort of in the fives. And, you know, you know, Terry, you know, the stress testing over the last 10 years for residential rates has been at five and a half percent. So if you couldn't afford five and a half, you haven't had a loan anyway. So at the moment, no one is stopped from getting a loan that would have been able to get a loan over the last 10 years. Now, if you're falling off a fixed rate at 1.19, onto a five point whatever yeah that is going to be a bit of a culture shock but in reality you could afford it when you were first underwritten for the mortgage so unless your circumstances have changed it means you're going to have to sharpen the pencil a little bit if you've been spending that extra money on going out or whatever God, yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly but and that, and that will drive consumption down which is part of the big driver for a recession of course but in terms of, does that mean the bailiffs are coming and all that? No, no, it, it doesn't. You know, so until base is above six, and I do think it'll it'll touch above six, but until it is, you know, we're not going to see this kind of, I, I said this to someone the other day, I'm a big numbers geek, Terry, because it keeps me sane, you know, and, and the, the latest numbers in terms of the housing in the UK, 36% owned no mortgage by owner-occupiers. 28% owned with a mortgage. Average mortgage for those 28%, about 40%. Because you imagine you've got your new new owners and then you've got people who've only got one or two years left on their mortgage and everybody in between, right? 17% private rental sector, of which a lot of landlords are using mortgages again, but of course some of those are also cash assets that people are holding. And 16% in the social sector. Of the 28% who are using a mortgage at an average of 40% loan to value, 30% of them are on a variable rate at the moment. And that increases as the days go on because people drop off. It will be that high. Yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't I wasn't overly surprised. I think it normally, you know, you get apathy, you get change of circumstances, you get, and if you only owe, True. if you're in that, if you owe 10, 20% loan to value, you've got other things on your mind. Retirement's maybe not far away, you know, generally speaking. So, so it, it would be good to know of those ones, which ones are 80% loan to value and above, because those are the ones that be, that the pressure would be on, you know. Yeah. But, and but that, that's, that's, really, that's really good to know because, you know, a lot of people are talking about there's going to be so many repossessions and all this, but if there's, I was quite surprised on that. On how many are unencumbered? You said there. How many don't have debt on? That's. I thought that would be smaller than than it is. And then you then the, the other big chunk is forty percent LTV or less. That they're not really in trouble. So 
it's nowhere near as bad as people are making it out to be, let's be honest. And they, those are facts. This like, is why I go to the numbers rather than the Daily Express, mate, at the end of the day, because that's what they do, isn't it? They sell, they sell headlines and they get clicks and all the rest of it. But you've got an under 10% of people who are remotely in trouble. And, of course, the nature of the average, 5% of them will be above 40% loan-to-value where it might cause them a bit of a bit of friction. But, like I said, today they can still go and fix at 5-point-whatever, and some of them will because the, the news will have alerted them to the danger. So, you know, repos have been down massively since COVID for, for all the obvious reasons. So, again, we're still in this trap at the moment where people go, it's up 63% year on year. It's like, yeah, but mate, they weren't doing any business last year. So we've got to look at the five-year and the 10-year averages. We've got to look at pre-COVID. We've got to do all of those sensible things. And There aren't hundreds of thousands of people in trouble, you know, Um and, and there's still, in a way, that little blip after the budget is not a bad thing because it's it's raised the awareness of it for people and they've got to take action. So like you said, increase, it's like any sort of business, really. Increase your revenue, cut your costs, watch your margins. The rest of it is is fluff, really. People should, people should be doing that anyway. But, for, yeah. but with everyone's just being carried away from two years and everyone wants to be a property investor these days, don't they? It's a very cool in Instagram thing to be, isn't it? I liked you. I think there's a Warren Buffett quote that was on your supplement on Sunday about um, something about we'll see who's, who's be. Do you know the quote? You'll know. When the, tide, when the tide goes out, you get to see who's been swimming naked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was it. That was it. But but you're completely right now. And these people who claim to be investors will probably disappear from Instagram and things um, if they have been, if they've all leverage to outstretch themselves. Well, um, that's it. You know, people who teach things like rent to rent properly, they're normally rent. They're normally getting assets from genuine tired landlords who are quite often unencumbered. So they they're bothered by any of this, you know. So they've actually still got as long as they can run that business properly and the danger is they don't get taught how to run those businesses properly. We we've both seen lots of them, I'm sure, but if they if they do run them properly, you know, and they're controlling the cost side of it, then inflation is helping them because it's making accommodation more expensive, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what what's your predictions you mentioned rents to go up? Do you have any predictions in terms of percentages, what they're going up? And when you when you do your annual rent reviews, are you working off a percentage uplift or are you going up in 25 quid increments or what do you generally do? So it's quite quite variable and, and, and reasonably complex. My forecast for the next five years total is 20% up. Now, I think quite a bit of that might be might be front-loaded. So we might see more of that in the next 12 months than we see um, over the course of the of the whole of the five year period, I'm assuming there that we're going to go back to a more of an element of stability. But of course, we might have said that after COVID, and we haven't quite got there yet by any stretch, you know. But so our prediction is twenty percent up. We tend to look at about somewhere between two and seven percent, depending on how far adrift they are from the market. I tend to try and average them around three and a half. Um, if we've got tenants who've been exceptionally helpful with um, mortgage valuations and things like that, we do tend to be quite kind and not put the rent up and say thanks very much. And even the very best ones, we tend to send them a, you know, an Amazon gift card or something at Christmas, you know. But um, on the flip side, when you're 
considering so for example i've got quite a few properties in scotland you'll have heard all that about the eviction ban and the rent freeze and all the rest of it i didn't really miss a beat on any of that because as a managed properly the rent increases for this year have been done they've pretty much guaranteed now that on the 1st of april next year there'll be another load of rent increases as soon as they allow it any proactive landlord is going to whack their rents up in case it happens again you know and it's an unsustainable situation if anything it's probably helped the landlord and hurt the tenants which is a real shame but this is why you have to be very careful when you intervene in in markets like this you know um so i'm actually not not particularly bearish about about Scot scotland still cheap really um from a rental perspective but again the energy price thing is is possibly well it is it's more important up there because the average scottish household uses more gas to heat it than the average english household you know yeah, yeah. At newcastle where i'm from it's, it's always cold up there <laughs> very, um, true. very true yeah, it, it is definitely since i moved down the country a little bit it's definitely a couple of degrees warmer here and i didn't i know people say it's warmer the further down you go, but it really really is it really it's is yeah it really is um Okay, I think that's some great, great advice there. Thank you for that. Um, a couple of things uh, I would like to ask would be, is there any strategies in particular that you feel are good sort of now and over the next sort of 12 months? Some people are talking about cash buys where there's deals falling out of bed and things. And is there anything in particular that you're focusing on or that, that you may focus on or may come? So, I mean, cash buys are always a good strategy, but obviously they've been thin on the ground for the last two and a half years, really, because COVID put paid to a lot of them. What are we seeing? We're going to see the return of debt pressure, not necessarily straight away, but people will be thinking more along those lines. And chain breaks, as you mentioned there, you know, direct-to-vendor stuff is always a good strategy if you're a good marketeer and you can control your costs because it can cost a lot of money in that in that business i think another one that's going to come back into its own a little bit might be options because if prices are going to fall yeah. and people want to try and maintain pricing and this is how vendors work mate you know early on in the process we're early on in the next cycle of what's going to happen over the next 12 months aren't we so people are just going to think you're talking the price down and stuff like that so either that vendor finance scenario that i was talking about earlier or potentially using an option and saying, well, look, I can get you that price, but I think we need five years to get back to that with stability because the, the, the interest rates are too high. So let's just say you've got a vendor, maybe they've got three or four years left on their fixed rate mortgage, right? And they're looking to exit and they're looking to enshrine the price with the capital growth they've had over the last couple of years. Well, you might need to kick it out five, seven or 10 years, depending on what you think of the where the market's going to be but remember it's an option it's not a it's not an obligation it's an option so if they've got a low mortgage and you want to put the work into it then the possibility of effectively a rent to rent with a purchase lease option is going to come back into play i think a little bit rather than i'm not i'm a big fan terry of seeing every deal on its merits rather than saying let's go out and try and do x or y but if you can find people who've just remortgaged who are just thinking you know i don't want the hassle of it anymore i could change this into an hmo but i can't be bothered those are the sort of people that you're you're, you're talking cash flow strategies then and you're not exposing yourself if the market goes down and you're not taking the debt on you know you're servicing the existing debt but you're not taking it on so 
I think that could that could come into play. Um, and I think you know if you personally, I'd recommend working with people who do it rather than doing it yourselves. But I, as I've got a big portfolio, I've got quite a lot on. But if you've got people who are, are running service accommodation, um, I think there's in certain certain parts of the country, in lots of parts of the country, there's a good future in that um, in terms of the short lets, and it keeps that flexibility if people or if you if you want to maybe sell the property in a year or two or whatever you haven't got a tenant in there that, that potentially causes a problem. So I don't really advocate doing it yourself, but of course it depends where you are, you know, in, in what you're doing. If you've got, if you've got time and you like the general public and you fancy running a hospitality business, crack on, you're a better man than I gungered in, you know, but otherwise find, find someone, find someone reliable who can do it for you. But yeah, cash, cash generating strategies, you know, the trading side of things a bit, I think, I think it's a good move. Otherwise, you've got to sweat those assets that you've got, really, and be in the right place. I, I, you know, I talk about being ready to transact, Terry. You, know, you want to be ready to transact, so that might mean support from bridging companies or whatever. If you if you're using, it's one thing that at the moment still looks comparatively cheap. It's never cheap to bridge, you know, but it looks, you know, if if bridging is still at nine or ten and mortgages are at six and a half. <laughs> bridging does look cheap you know so so maybe you can make the most of some of that you know i mean on bridging i'm i'm on three bridges at the moment um and i was looking at all this last week and in, in, in a, a realistic way would be another a bridge off the bridge yeah because and people aren't thinking about that but like you said earlier that you know taking a variable rate right now is is a little bit mental so so people need to maybe realize it's not the only way to do it there's raising money as well yeah raise angel money at eight percent that's going to be a lot of the time equivalent or even cheaper than bridging yeah um, so and if you take that maybe it's over a longer term you know maybe it's not a 12 month term and then you happen to pay them back in 12 months maybe it's a 24 or longer month term that that's that's a legitimate you know, intelligent move, I think, for some. I think, I think it's a great shout, Terry, and I think it's it's a good example of thinking of thinking outside the box, not getting into a certain sort of tunnel and you must go this way, you know. I've been having conversations with people about exactly that um, and willing to, you know, these, these rates are starting to sound attractive to people because at the end of the day, you still can't get 3% in the bank. If we've got to look at borrowing at six or six and a half, there's a happy medium there. They can have first charge. You know, it, it's you, you're very. They can do it to a comfortable loan to value. And in the same way, people. I was having this conversation with someone last week. You know, there's still a way to buy stuff. You can't tell me if you're getting it 50p in the pound, you're not going to buy it, right? It doesn't make sense. So, how have you got to think about that? Well, you're going to amortise some of that discount over the first couple of years if you've got to keep it hanging on a bridge for two years. So if you buy it, you, you know, you might be, you might need to be 10% below where you were, right? But that 10% is going to pay for that buffer of interest in that time and leave you a little bit on top for the extra risk that you're taking at the moment. So at those sorts of creative strategies, thinking outside the box of what's going to get you through times like this without a shadow of a doubt. Definitely. I really, really agree. And another thing I was speaking to someone about last week was your network really comes into the own here as well, because speaking to people like yourself, you know, we spoke before we started uh, 
recording here. I've spoken to a few other people who are, you know, respect their opinion and they're more experienced and more knowledgeable than me. Leaning on a network is is really valuable right now because they might think of something that you haven't thought of or they might be able to introduce you to somebody or just make you think a little bit different. And I think, again, that's something that people need to just utilise because it's, it's free to do and it's there. It's available, right? I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, it, it's, it's hard at the best of times in this game if you wrap yourself in your own little bit of bubble wrap and you try and do it on your own, you know, because you're much better off when you're bouncing off other people. And there won't be many who haven't, you know, lost a wink of sleep or had a bit of extra stress in their life over the last couple of weeks. You know, I owe the banks a lot of money at the end of the day. And whilst we could be a bit flippant about that, you know, it, of course it plays on your mind, but you feel so much better when you're talking to other people about it and, and just running a few of the scenarios that might happen and, and having looking at your contingency plans and things like that. This is why when, when I value my portfolio, we have a sort of fire sale button price where how much is really there if I go under a bus and someone decides we've got to sell the whole lot tomorrow. You know, that's the real equity, if you like. And then the bits beyond that, you know, I mean, we've trimmed off a few bits over the last 12 months because the market was so strong. I thought, we, you know, don't miss markets like this. Once you've taken a profit, you can't lose it sort of thing. We've still acquired more units than we've disposed of, but it's been rather than just hell for leather acquiring, just preparing in case... You might want to increase those cash balances a little bit. And now sitting here, I'm thinking, well, first of all, thinking I'm glad we've done that. But secondly, thinking, are we still in a place where we might be able to get rid of something? Well, we might be because that retail market doesn't move super quickly. And if people see, you know, if you're, if you're buying your first house or whatever, and you see a 5% discount, you get so excited at that. Blimey, I must do that now, you know, so there's still people who are going to want to get on the ladder, plenty of them, and there's still not loads of stock. Um, and investors that are disposing of your classic investor stock is tired, isn't it? You know, it's tired. It, it may be, maybe it's got magnolia. It's, it's that far into the future. Um, but otherwise, it's got avocado bathrooms or whatever. Again, you've got to put that extra bit of effort in to try and – good stuff always sells, and I don't mean – marble and gold taps necessarily i mean appropriate for the market position it near the top whether you're renting it or you're selling it as and when times get tougher here doing some of the best stuff out there will help to protect you because that's always got a value in any market mm. yeah again i think there's, there's plenty of gems in there and, and and yeah some people have said to me recently Oh, you know, I'm not going to be able to sell anything because no one can buy. I want to be able to buy with the rates. You know, it's going to be too expensive for them. But yeah, that might be the case for the first-time buyer, the odd first-time buyer. But like you say, residential mortgage rates aren't as bad. And, you know, there's always going to be buyers and there's always going to be sellers regardless, isn't there? So therefore, there's always going to be deals. If you were, if you were, if you were a flipper and you were thinking, I don't want tenants, I never want tenants, I'll still want to flip stuff. I'd say, well, why don't you look at flipping some bungalows and stuff at the moment? Because ultimately, people are coming out of more expensive property. They don't need mortgages, right? They might have to take a little bit of a haircut on their expensive property. But you've still got a market there that's not sensitive to the interest rate, ultimately. You know, So there's always a way through. And 
like we said earlier, when you chunk these things down into the real, that that is, I, I get that feeling, you know, no one's going to be able to buy, but we've been through the numbers early, you know, eight or 9% of people are going to be adversely affected relatively quickly. Whilst that's a lot of people, it's, you know, it's one in 11, one in 12. That doesn't mean the whole estate agents don't close their doors. You know, what you find in these situations is, you know, transaction levels tend to drop. And there's a, there's an important distinction here between we've seen stock levels drop really low in estate agents um, since COVID, right? But there's still been a lot of transactions. That's part of the reason why stock levels have been so low because things have been whipped off the shelf. You know, the supply's been low and the demand's been high. That's the thing, right? Now what we're going to see more of is supply will go up a bit, but you'll have a lot of people staying where they are and transactions will fall. So then there will be, the people who are selling will be quite motivated to sell, but it doesn't mean there aren't motivated buyers. There's no more motivated a person than a first-time buyer, Terry, at the end of the day. They're always super motivated. It more becomes, can someone physically stop them from buying it? Is that the interest rate? Is that, you know, their job being at risk? Is that things like that? Is it the lenders not lending? Now, I don't think that's a realistic proposition. And that was the 2008 scenario, of course. People were out of the market for some time. So if you, if you look at the land reg in 2008, the prices across the country went down 15.2% from the peak to the trough, right? 15.2%. A lot of people don't know that number. And in their mind, that's why they say it could go down 25%. You think, now, don't get me wrong. There were, there were blocks of flats in... Just pick on Liverpool for a change. No, blocks of flats in Liverpool where they transacted at 100k, they were no money down. The, lend, the, the lender lent 85, and then in three years' time, they were worth 50 grand. They, they absolutely did exist, you know, and people were underwater. But that was, you know, these effectively near fraudulent transactions. I mean, they were legal at the time, you know. But you can't, you can't take that as a benchmark of what truly happened. What happens is people sit on their hands because, as we've already said, they don't owe as much as you think they do in as much of a volume as you think they do. And they just get their head into a place that says, all right, our plans for moving on are going to have to wait two or three years, you know? Yeah. And it's, that, it's the transaction volume that slows. But the beauty of that is the people who are still transacting, generally speaking, are more motivated than they would usually be which is back to what you were saying in terms of where the opportunities are, mate. And, um, you know, going back to the first-end buyer's point, yeah, mortgage rates are, are more, but the banker mum and dad is probably still the same. <laughs> you know, there's that as well. And there's still lots of money floating. There's more money than ever floating about, right? So, so much more. They'll have the cash, yeah, exactly, because of the I mean, things you talk about a lot, the amount of, the amount of money that they the actually printed and pumped into the system was more than ever before and, and that hasn't just all of a sudden disappeared because the Bank of England's put the rates up it's still it's still very much there again it's getting emotion out of the way and looking at you know the household savings balances as an average still look pretty good now that doesn't mean there aren't loads of people who haven't got any savings that's always been the case and some people got cleared out by COVID because they didn't have a a, a, a job they were on furlough from or whatever whatever but there's still the money there and like you say you know, bank of mum and dad's primary job is is to help support the kids into their first property. Ninth biggest lender in the UK, bank of mum and dad. There you go. There's a fact for you. 
the good stuff. Nine percent. Yeah. Wow. Ninth biggest. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ninth biggest. So I, I could talk all day, Adam, but I'm very conscious of your t- your time. I think it, there's been loads and loads of gems in. Hopefully, a lot of people are a little bit more calm, a little bit more educated, a little bit more. Um, informed you know hopefully that's what you've got from this this episode but just to sort of end on a on a on a educational note Adam how would you summarize in brief what people should be doing right now and just to sort of calm the calm the storm a little bit what would you what would you like to say so I think review your financing arrangements whether you owe private money to people whether you owe to banks etc etc Get off your floating rates because we don't want to see the upside risk here. You know, if you're thinking you should have done it six months ago, it doesn't matter because you've got to do what you can do today. Terry said earlier, you can only control your reaction to things, right? So make your decisions sensibly. Do some cash flow forecasting. It doesn't have to be incredibly complex. You know, just plan out the next 12 or 24 months to see where you are. All this will help give you a bit of calm. Then work out what you can improve and where the opportunities are before you then think maybe if you've got to dispose of something. And if you have got to dispose, put your back into it and make it good. Make Because good will always get a fair price. Love that. That's a great way to end the show. Positive and um, informed and calm. So, Adam, thank you so much. It's been great. If anyone, I would highly recommend you read Adam's Sunday Supplement. I think that's what you call yeah. it. Sunday, Sunday Supplement. He released on, on LinkedIn. I've been reading it the past two weeks. Loved it. Um, again, and as things are changing so quickly, I think it's, you know, don't just listen to this podcast. You maybe just want to listen to this twice to get everything from it. But next week, entirely possible that something might have happened which means you need to learn or be aware of something else so uh reedy's sunday supplement highly recommend it and uh, yeah thank you for for listening and and, um take care thanks adam Thanks, thanks for having me again cheers mate hi everyone just before you go i'd really appreciate it if you could pop on to apple podcast and leave us a review the more reviews we get the more attention the podcast gets And then it enables me to get even better guests and give even more inspiration and even more motivation to you guys. So I'd really appreciate it if you popped onto Apple Podcasts, left us a review, shared the podcast with your friends and family, um, plenty on social media to try and grow the podcast, which enables me to inspire you guys even more. Thank you so much. I'm really, really grateful. I really appreciate it and have a fantastic day.